You guys can be seated. I feel like I need to preach in this direction. You guys are like way back there. Hey guys, how are y'all? Welcome in. Oh, it's shady over there. That's what it is? I got you. All right. I feel you. Well, we're grateful uh, that you are here. We're grateful no matter where you're seated. Uh, man, what an amazing opportunity for us, uh, not just to gather, but to celebrate. And uh, somebody said earlier, uh, man, it is more of a birthday than it is an anniversary. And that's true. Absolutely true. And so there must have been some labor pains along the way. And I will try not to talk about those, although that's true as well, uh, as Aaron also spoke of and alluded to. Uh, but look, here's the deal, right, is um, if this thing will stay up and everything will be good, um, we made it, right? We made it to seven years, some, something that uh, some people said would never happen, actually. Yeah, so for me, I say, man, let's praise God for that. Um, those are some of the labor pains of, of, of people saying, yeah, I don't think that's probably going to happen. Um, and yet here we are, the Lord has been faithful to the call of ch uh, planting not just one church, but hopefully uh, many. As you know, we have several milestones in this journey towards this day. I want to uh, re uh, just kind of repeat some of those milestones. On November the 16th, 2014, 17 adults and 19 children gathered in my home off of Green Falls Lane, my wife and I's home off of Green Falls Lane, some mere months after our son Moses was born. 17 adults, 19 children. That's, that lasted for two whole weeks until uh, we moved over into Joy Lutheran Church on November the 30th of 2014. We moved over to Joy. They were uh, more than hospitable to us. And so we were there for many months. We had our first public gathering at Frost Elementary on Easter. That would be April the 5th of 2015. There were 100 people there on the dot. Uh, 100 people there at our first public gathering. If you don't know this, the first person to be baptized uh, by the pastors and leaders of the Grove Church was your bass player, Eddie Crusoe. And if you want good pictures, you can search on the internet of that brother coming out of the water and celebrating. That's one of those, uh, those moments, those milestones that should be stuck in our brains a little bit forever because that's the picture. This new life of transformed lives of people living by the power of the Spirit, motivated uh, by truly the presence of our God. The very first day that we took attendance, that was not Easter, was May 31st, 2015. And guess how many people were there? Yes, we were doing a very good job of growing our church. We started at 100, and we grew it all the way to 36. And I remember that day, the setup team set up for themselves. It was lovely. And so if you ever think you're frustrated about setting up and tearing down, just remember you could have been there the day or the days that we set up and tore down for ourselves. It's lovely. Yes, those that suffered through that, suffered through that for you. Because there's more than 36 people here today. They suffered through that for you. They, they had something else in their minds as a vision that we all had. And I want to repaint that vision a little bit as we go. On August the 9th, we had our very first gathering where we started to meet every single week. It was August the 9th of 2015, and we were very strategic in that day, so much so that me and my wife weren't there. Me and my wife and my family, we were in North Carolina and Virginia. It was Josue's very first time to preach a sermon, August the 9th, 2015. We weren't even there the day of our quote-unquote official launch into a public setting uh, for our weekly uh, gatherings. On May the 1st, uh, we, uh, that, by the way, there were 70 people there that day. May the 1st, 2017, we surpassed for the first time 100 partners in our church. 
The very most we've ever had as far as partners or members of our church, January the 27th of 2020, mark that down as pre-COVID. 198 partners pre-COVID. Today we stand or sit in your lawn chair at 173 current partners of the Grove Church. And I say yes and amen. God is faithful to have gotten us to this point. So just, I just want to give you all a hand clap a little bit. I was making fun of Aaron last night or last week for hand claps. Like there's ever any other kind of hand clap, but I just said it. And that's what we do. We repeat each other nonetheless. But look, here's the deal, right? God's faithful. He's true. None of this has happened because of our power, our strategy. None of this has happened because of anything that has originated at us, but instead of God's call on us to do something difficult, not just for doing something difficult sake, but to honor him. Because you have to know this, if we're going to honor Jesus as a church, if you're going to honor him as a family, if you're going to honor and follow Jesus as an individual, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take you pushing past difficulty, and I want to talk a little bit about that as we work through this. But look, here's the deal. If we're not careful, we could start to celebrate the wrong thing. We could start to focus on the wrong thing. Did you guys know there was this great coin shortage in 2020? Did you know there was a great coin sh shortage in 2020? That's a thing that people reported about. When you drove through over at Cane's or wherever it was, there was a little sign that said, due to the nationwide coin shortage, please pay with exact change or a debit or credit card. As if that was something to care about during a, a pandemic. Like I'm just all of a sudden supposed to care about a, a coin shortage. You see, if we start to celebrate attendance and partnership, it's like caring about a coin shortage in the midst of a greater context of a pandemic. Instead, I want to celebrate what God's done for us in our numbers. I want to celebrate what God's done for us in your faithfulness, in your presence, in your attendance. But I don't want to do that if we're not also in the greater context of things remaining faithful to the call and to the, to the command of making disciples. When the elders got together this week and we started talking about, man, what does this look like to, for us to celebrate? I, I've never heard a more immediate and a more unanimous response amongst us four. If you don't know us very well, the four of us are not very unanimous very quickly. But we were very unanimous and we were very quick to go, you know what? The main thing that we need to keep focusing on is the making of disciples, of the dying to ourselves and to continue to obey Jesus into the difficult and troubled waters. So that's the thing that matters, isn't it? In the very beginning, I said over and over again, I would have I would rather see a hundred faithful and deep disciples that call the Grove Church their home than a thousand attenders. Why? Well, the answer to that I think can be found in our, our, our subject for today. And I'm just going to have three main points and then we're going to have Josue come up and talk a little bit and then I'm going to end us. But here's the deal. Here's our order if you need to just think big picture. What's next? That's number one. Number two, it's your turn. That's number two. Number three is now what? All right, so what's next? Look, if we have a great first quarter in 2022, what you'll hear about, Lord willing, is that we've come to an agreement on a piece of property that we've talked about just north of Frost, just a little bit away from here, um, that you're here in this place because a, a large part of, of those that own that place. And so if the Lord is faithful to us in these ways that we think he's going to be, we'll hear about property. You'll hear about a building. You'll hear about vision. You'll hear about all these things of this, this place that we hope that the Lord would grant us that we would call for the bend, that we would have a place 
that would exist for the renewal of the Bend, of Fort Bend County. Now that comes out of a piece of scripture. If you're not familiar with it, it's Jeremiah 29, verse 7. So Katie is going to come, Katie Krupala is going to read Jeremiah 29, verse 7. You come a little closer, Katie, so we make sure that, that microphone works. Jeremiah 29, 7 says this. Go ahead. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So can you give some context, right? Thank you, Katie. Appreciate you. Give some context, right? What we have is, is the people of Israel being sent into exile for disobedience. And as we know, we just went through Habakkuk. And it was the Babylonians that were going to take the, God's favorite people into exile. And you would, might think, like, how are they going to survive? I guess they'll just hunker down. I guess they'll just wait for the hurricane to pass. I guess they'll just wait for the pandemic to pass. They'll just hunker down and stay home. And that's not what God says to do in a foreign land. He says, seek the welfare, the prosperity, the shalom, the peace of the place you're going. Your enemies, they need me. Go and bring them, bring them what I have brought to you. Go be a, ple a people that are for Babylon. Go be a people that, that truly live for the betterment and the welfare and the prosperity of that nation, which is terrible, which you absolutely disagree with morally. Go live for the building up of that nation. And so when you start thinking about, like, for the bend, man, how can we have a place, yes, that exists for our spiritual renewal, that exists for our, our spiritual uh, 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 betterment, welfare, but more than that, also exists for the city, the county, Richmond, Rosenberg, Sugarland, Katy, Folsher, and wherever else in Fort Bend County, where can we, how can we do that? We can seek the betterment of our area by seeking, yes, spiritual renewal, but also biblical, gospel-centered counselors to have mental renewal, to have financial advisors for financial renewal, to have family lawyers, because not every marriage is going to work. So what would it look like to offer beautiful, uh, a good, godly, like civil counsel for them. Mother's Day out, ESL programs. But again, that is not the most important thing. That again, it's good. It's a thing to be aware of. But it means nothing if we're just focused on having a place. It means nothing if we're not focused on what's more important. And what's more important than a place that might exist for the bend? I'll tell you. It's you and me becoming a people that are for the bend. It's you and me taking small steps of obedience so that we will exist if we ever have a place or not, that we would be here for the betterment of the people around us. Can you say that in your last 18 months, you have existed for the betterment of the people around you? I would say that most of us would go, we've made a lot of decisions, we've made a lot of sacrifices for those that are around us. Most, most of those decisions that you would think back probably could be reduced into some uh, medical counsel that you received and you, you, you did something medically or economically for the good of the people around you. To which I say praise God and amen. That's part of living as for the bend or for wherever you live. But there's something greater than that. There's something greater than just consistently and continually having the medical uh, advice before us. Instead, also, though, the spiritual advice from God's word for us. 
So what are we here to focus on? If we think about not just what's next, but how, how now is it your turn? How now is God calling you to step up into something different into this season with you, your family, as individuals, as neighborhood groups? And here's where we are. We must be a people that exist for the bend. Now, in order to go forward, let me go backwards. We start thinking about the vision of our church. And I remember when God called me to plant this church, I remember where I was. I remember who I was listening to. I remember thinking, this is the craziest thing I've ever thought in my life. Surely God is not telling me to do this. We had a baby that was on the way. I had a decent job. I liked my salary. And I had some things to do with that salary. And I remember somebody looking at me going, that's a really small vision. It's a really small vision to just pay the bills. To just make a safe life for yourself. So you can do that and miss Jesus' calling for your life, even as a pastor. I remember when I sat down with our church uh, planting director at the time, and I remember what he said to me when I was thinking about planting this church, as I was asking the question, Lord, what kind of church do you want? What kind of church do you want? Not just that you want me to do it. That's fine. I've surrendered to that call. Now, what kind of church are we supposed to plant in this particular area? And I remember my church planting director looking at me and saying, it's the right church at the right place at the right time. I wonder if you can see that. I wonder if you can see there's something distinct, not better. Hear me. We're not in a competition against any other churches. We're in collaboration with every other church. They're not our enemy. The enemy is our enemy. We're on the same team. Okay, we're not here to compete. We're here to just say, hey, there's just something that's different and distinct. There's, something, there's a reason why you're showing up in the middle of a field in November, and it's not just the weather, although that's nice. That certainly helps. There's something distinct here about our call. What is it that's here? What is it that's distinct? And here's what he saw, and I want to relay to you. Something has to change beyond attendance, beyond showing up to a Bible study and going, oh, that was really good. Something's got to change beyond these simplistic measures that we have called success in American Christianity. And instead, what is it? It's what it's always been for this church. It's the reiteration of what Jesus would say, that if you love me, you'll show up at Bible study. He doesn't say that. If you love me, you'll show up. You'll even serve. You'll even serve in the nursery. No, no, if you love me, you will what? Demonstrate that by obeying me. By obeying Jesus. By just simplifying the Christian life. Not obeying to get something from him because that's not the gospel. But obeying because he's already given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. We obey, we do these good works because of all the good works and obedience that Jesus did on our behalf. You see, in 2014, we wanted to flip the paradigm from seating capacity to sending capacity, from a Sunday to the everyday, from across the sea as your mission place to across the street as your mission place. From mere enjoyment, oh man, I really love that sermon. Oh man, that worship team, boy, they got it on point today. Save us. Lord, save us. And instead, moving from that to radical, dependent obedience to Jesus. That's the vision for every believer, not just every believer that calls the Grove Church home, every believer that's ever believed in Jesus to die to yourself and to follow him. 
You see, for us, it was to disciple every believer of Jesus into the kind of resilient, fortified, courageous disciple who is then making disciples, reaching the lost, pushing back the darkness, and standing on the promises of Jesus that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. We should say amen to that. There was a whisper of an amen that the promise is, is that the gates of hell will never stand against you. Not an organization, but against you. Which we should say, praise God and amen to that. You see, we wanted to flip the paradigm, not just to talk about attenders, but to ensure that every believer doesn't just, just kind of grimly accept that they're a missionary. Okay, I got to go do that. I guess God called me to do it, and so out of duty, I'll just go do it but instead that we would be so full of gratitude that we would embrace the identity of a missionary and we remain steadfast to the mission to reach our neighborhoods, the networks, and the nations with the good news. So my question is, are you remaining steadfast to that mission? If we're remaining steadfast as elders, as deacons, as neighborhood groups, there is going to be a major conflict at some point if you're not on the same page, yeah, careful. If we're not on the same page, there, will, there, is, there is something coming, a collision course, where if someone doesn't course correct, something's going to happen. So who's going to course correct? That's my question. We've got to stay focused on the main thing. And here's where we came out of this. Here's what we read in the scriptures some seven years ago. If you don't know this about our story as a church, I remember reading the scriptures. I remember asking, Lord, I've, I don't know how to plant a church, so could you help me? By your spirit, lead me to the scriptures. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to start in the book of Acts, and I'm going to start reading until he gives me what we're supposed to do. And it wasn't until Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, you keep going, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the way down into Titus. Holy moly, Lord, did you have to take so long? Yes. He wanted me to read almost the entire New Testament before I got the vision. And it was Titus 1.5 where he says, appoint elders in every town. And then in Titus 2, he says, when you appoint those elders in every town, make sure they're overseeing the kind of ministry where older men are discipling younger men and older women are discipling younger, younger women into the faith into understanding what Jesus has done for them, but also in understanding that they now are called to bring that good news to someone else. So again, I ask, are you committed to that vision? Are you committed to the vision of making disciples? Or are you trying to squeeze Jesus into your calendar? Is that still the thing that we're doing? That we're trying to squeeze him into a Sunday morning or into a neighborhood group? that fits my calendar, or into a growth group that also measures up with four people's calendar now, or are we doing something radical and different? Because here's my prayer for us. My prayer for us is that we would move from merely enjoying the rest which Jesus provides and into sacrificing so someone else can find their ultimate rest in Jesus. I want, I want you to hear that again, that we would move from merely enjoying the rest which Jesus provides for us. Oh, man, we thank you, Lord. We sing about your praises, Lord. We're grateful, Lord. All that is good. And into sacrificing so that someone else can find their ultimate and eternal rest 
in Jesus. One is praising God for all he's done for us. The other is going, okay, I'm now motivated by what you've done to go do something impossible. Absolutely impossible. We cannot, though, be a people. And here's my concern seven years into the church. There's a lot of things that have changed in the life of our church. Here's my concern right now is that we've dipped our feet over the edge of the boat and we've kind of just paddled our feet on the water and then we've looked at our friends and gone, I'm walking on the water, guys. And our, our behind is still sitting on the side of the boat. Walking on the water. Woo! But as you know, of what Aaron just said, and if you've ever become a partner of our church, what we talk about in Matthew 14 is that the call for me was to get out of the boat of safety and security and certainty and salary and benefits and out of the boat and into the waters, the raging waters of uncertainty, which is actually where Jesus is. He's actually not in the boat. There's only one guy that gets out, and he didn't last very long, of course. But I wonder what story we tell. I wonder if we're content telling this story. Yeah, I remember when Peter got out of the boat. I remember when Lance got out of the boat. That was fun. That was great. I wonder if you'd get out. I wonder if you'd get your, your, your behind off the edge of the boat and, and actually put your weight on something that you're not so sure, you're not so certain will actually hold you. But all the while keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus because you know that it's better to be out there in uncertainty with the Lord and creator of all things than it is to be in the boat without him. Is that us? I wonder if we're that kind of committed, if we would actually prefer nothing and no one else besides Jesus. How do we become the kind of person that steps out? How do we become, become the kind of person that when, when they hear unbelievably challenging call to love Jesus more than anyone else, to follow him wherever we go and wherever he goes and to be on a mission that is harder than anything else you've ever done? Amy Peterson's going to read a piece of scripture, Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. I want you to hear about the kind of people that stepped out of boats on a regular basis. They were the saints of old. These all died in faith, having not received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that, that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are, they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Did y'all hear it? Thank you, Amy. Did y'all hear it? What kind of people make God proud? And then he says at the end, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What kind of people make God proud? Not the ones that are trying to make a home in comfort, in success, in accumulation, in control, but the kind of people who count not this place their home, but look, they have their eyes fixed on something far greater that they cannot prepare for themselves, but that God has promised to prepare for them. That's the kind of people that God's calling you to be. There's a reason why Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, was written down. 
for us to look at, to study, and to understand. This is not just for people called Abraham. This is for all of Abraham's children who are you in Christ Jesus. This is for us. See, they didn't make their life in making this place their home. They were exiles, sojourners, passing through to a better city. And they had a vision for a better city, promised by God. And that vision compelled them to move forward, to deny simple comforts, to deny important relationships. If you remember the call of Abraham, leave your father's house, Abram, and go to a place I have not yet shown you. We all read that and we go, well, that must have been easy for him. Or I guess that was just really simple. And yet we know that he did go. He was obedient to that call. As difficult as it was to leave your father's house, to leave your country, to leave all that your father had secured for you, you're now denying all of that and stepping out and doing something different. You see, for the people in the Bible, they set before us an example that now we're saying it's your turn. It's your turn to stand up against the darkness. It's your turn to stand your ground against the enemy's schemes. It's now your turn to bring the gospel to someone else. And so I ask, what vision is compelling you? Where are your eyes fixed? On comfort, on status, on staying safe, on accumulation? Where are we? And where are you? Here's what I know. In my 20s and 30s, I thought that, that the enemy uh, and his schemes that were most powerful for me were just to sin more. I don't know if that you've ever felt that, but like in my 20s and 30s, it was like, okay, the enemy, I got to stand against the enemy and I got to do whatever is necessary to not sin. And now in my 40s, what I realize is that that paved the way and that was good and fine and well. And maybe that was just because I was earlier in my, in my walk with Jesus. But now that I've walked a little bit further and a little bit uh, uh, longer with Jesus, I'm starting to realize that the enemy's schemes are not necessarily to get me to sin more. They're to lull me to sleep into counting the wrong things as my goal. And if my goal is anything other than honoring and worshiping Jesus, I'm off base. And he's lulling me to sleep into living a safe life. He's lulling me to sleep into thinking about a pool in my spare time. He's lulling me to sleep into thinking, man, I just want to just, give the best life to my kids and my family. That's a sleepy, sleepy life. And the Bible will say to us, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, and, and be called to live for something greater. So I say to you, in this next year, 2022, there will be something that you are called to. Now, again, could be property, and that's fine. You could be called to sacrificially give in a way financially that you've never, been, you've never done before in your life. Whatever it is, that's fine. Or it could be something even better. It could be planting a church could be actually leaving this beautiful community and family and going down south a little bit to Sugarland and going and plant a church with Brother Pastor Elder Josue. And to give you some vision to that, I want to invite him up and tell us a little bit about what he's planning, what the Lord's been planning, not just to plant this church, but again, to be disciples who make disciples so that we plant churches which plant churches. Josue. Buenos dias, familia. Buenos dias. Uh, I remember my first sermon. Um, it was a 35-minute sermon, so I had a 35 scripture references. 
and uh, didn't go very well. Today I only have 25, so it'll go quicker. Um, to be here before you today is truly uh, a dream come true uh, for many of us in many ways. Uh, when I first came to the Grove seven years ago and was called, I felt called to come and join to help plant this church, I never ever imagined I'd be standing before you to talk about planting. Um, and But that's what happens when you just listen and you obey. And so I think today I simply want you to hear what Lance has been saying. And that's this, one, uh, you and I have been called. Jesus walked around and gathered 12 disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. First thing he gave them was a calling with a purpose. And each of you here has a call to follow Jesus. So I want you to repeat with me. I am called. Say it, say it with me. I am called. Each of us has a calling. He then journeyed with his disciples three years. He loved them. He taught them the word. He showed them how to live out their faith. And uh, he discipled them, ultimately. That's what he did over three years. And at the very end, he leaves them with these two statements. Matthew 28, he says, um, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Second thing he tells them, it gives them is a commissioning. And we've all here been commissioned. So I want you to say with me, I am commissioned. I don't know if you believe this or not, but we're not just called to make disciples. We're commissioned. God commissions us to go and make disciples of all the nations. And in his final words before he ascends in Acts 1a, he says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, we're not just called. We're not just commissioned. We're empowered. I want you to say with me, I am empowered. So you're called, you're commissioned, you're empowered. Now what do you do with that? So over the past seven years, uh, I've had the opportunity to learn many things while I've been here at the Grove. And a couple of years into the Grove, I felt like God was leading me into a different direction at work. Started praying about what that was. Thought I was going to go to business school. Felt like God said seminary, and I said, no, Lord, I don't think it's seminary. I think you want me to make the millions to give to your church. Like, that's amen. the that's the plan for my life. And, wait, yeah, one amen over here. And and God said, no, that's not the plan I have for your life. Uh, I want you to go to seminary. So I said, all right, I'm going to take one class. You have to make it abundantly clear that this is where you want me. So I took the first class in seminary, and he said, he, he made it abundantly clear halfway through my semester, that's exactly where I was, I was supposed to be at. And I said, all right, Lord, I'll finish seminary, but I will never be a pastor. And here we are. That was supposed to be funnier. Um, it's like being a pastor right there. Yeah, you think it's going to hit, and it doesn't. And so that's the last time I said to the Lord, I will never, because I realized what God wanted for my life is far greater than what I could ever desire and hope for me. He has a greater purpose and plan, and it's not to make me great and successful. It's, those things are not what's important here on earth. The greatest call he's given me is to make disciples that make disciples and plant churches that plant churches. And all he's asked me to do 
is to be faithful and obedient over many years, over much time. And so as a church, we've dreamed of being a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples, and a church that plants churches, that plants churches. And we are here now, after seven years, excited to announce to you that we will be planting a church 2023 in Sugarland, Texas. And many, yes, that is something to celebrate. Because this is the work of God. It's not because we've been so great at what we've been doing. We've learned failing forward in many regards, but God's been faithful despite our lack of faithfulness at times, despite our lack of being well-polished, despite many circumstances we've had overcome, God's been faithful to us. So now it's our turn to respond in obedience. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't think God's calling me to go plant a church. I will never go plant careful what you say because God may call you to plant with me. And so what I want to invite you today is to dream about what it would mean to reach the nations, what it would mean to reach another part of this town with the gospel. You see, God's plan for gospel saturation all along has been church planting. The people in Acts receive the Holy Spirit and immediately the church launches, and then we begin to see the church multiply city after city after city. That's always been the plan. His oldest strategy for gospel saturation is you, and it's me, to be obedient, to go and plant churches, to spread the gospel. You see, it is in church planting that we are able to share the gospel with those that don't yet know the love of Christ that you and I know. It is in church planting where you and I get to grow and to mature in our discipleship and in our faith, and I get to stand before you, not because I'm great at speaking or because I've learned so many great things. It's simply because God's been faithful to me and I want to love him and I want to serve him and I want you to do the same with your life. And so some of you have already answered the call and said, hey, we'll go with you. We'll go plant. And today, for those of you that maybe hadn't heard this yet, I want you to consider what it will look like for you to be a part of this church plant. Lance said this earlier today. This is not a competition. We're not competing with with one another. Instead, the vision of multiplication has always been in our DNA. And today we get to announce that and we get to work toward that over the next 18 months. And so don't think, good for you, Josue, go plant. I'll pray for you. I want you to go home and I want you to seriously consider what your role will be in church planting. Because after all, we're all here a family. And I believe in you as my family, and I know you believe in me as your family. And so we're going to do this together, and it may look like you pray, and that's the way you support us. It may look like giving differently, but it may also look like you actually going with us. If that's what that looks like for you, we will be launching our core team next summer. So our neighborhood group will move to a core team, and so you will have a few months to say goodbye to your neighborhood group, and you can come with us, and over the, ne- the following eight months, we will develop this core team into a vision team that will plant in Sugarland spring of 2023. But maybe you say, I don't know if I'm ready to be a part of a core team. Another level of support you can come, uh, you can be is commit for a year to go with us, to go literally go help be our support team on the ground, help us set up. Help us get the systems going, the things that we all know how to do here Sundays. Help us go do that three out of four Sundays a week and do that for a year. And let's see what God does with that. And finally, um, I just want to leave you with this. I feel like God's been so gracious to us. 
And he's calling us to something deeper than we can ever experience and know until we step, like Lance said, out of the boat. This is not an easy thing for me. I don't want you to look at me up here and think I'm doing this because I, am, I believe and I'm so strong and I, I'll get this done. It's because I've had men and women like yourselves around me, love me, support me, challenge me, disciple me, that now I'm able to stand before you and say, hey, let's go do this together. Let's go figure this out together. And I'm excited to see what God will do in us, through us, for his glory, for his kingdom as we continue to preach the gospel here in Richmond and soon to be in Sugarland. So I love you guys. You have a questionnaire at the very end of the link that you, you um, have the songs on. At the very end, I'd love for each of you to go there and just click through to the link, write your name down, let us know how you want to get plugged in, how you want to support, and I'd love to sit down with you and give you a little bit more of what this would look like over the next 18 months. That's all I have for today. We're serious about you guys praying about going. Uh, so much so that you'll probably get tired of, just as much as you're probably tired of hearing about making disciples, you're probably tired, going to tire of church planting uh, in the next 18 months. But um, we do hope that you will take seriously the invitation. Some of you are called to go make disciples in that way. Some of you are called to stay here, and that's both are good. Uh, but for this next season, we're going to put that before you as an opportunity to go. As And, and like... Some of you might be asking, well, how do I feel about that? I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more proud of the man and pastor that Josue has continued to grow and become. I can't wait to see how he surpasses all of us in his pursuit of Jesus in these next 18 months, much less 18 years in leading whatever that new church will be called into the future. I, I truly cannot be more excited about what this looks like for all of us because we're all going to be a part of that, to pray to go, to give, however it may be, we are invited into that process. Why? Why would we do that? Why? I mean, this field isn't full. Why not just accumulate? Why not just try to get more people? Why not just attract more people? Because it's not about growing and accumulation. It's about sending. It's about making. It's about sharing the good news with the darkness and our neighbors around us. So I leave you with this. Leave you this one verse Hopefully, I pray it motivates you, because I know that it's going to be before our neighborhood group leaders. I know it's going to be before you in your growth groups. I know it's going to be before you as we lean into 2022 together in whatever means necessary in the making of disciples in any environment that we hold and host, our prayer is that we would equip, that we would train, and that we would send people that are motivated with this verse. It is Colossians 1, verse 28 and 29. Listen to what Paul says about his purpose to those in Colossae so many years ago. Now may it be our purpose in Fort Bend County. Him we proclaim, Jesus. Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone. There's a warning involved when we're talking about Jesus. Teaching everyone, there's a teaching involved when we're talking about Jesus with all wisdom that we may present everyone, everyone mature in Christ. Do you hear it? Do you hear the motivation? A proclamation, a teaching, a warning that we would all grow up in Christ 
Verse 29 says, For this I toil, I labor, I struggle with all of God's energy that he powerfully works within me. Friends, we cannot do this on our own strength and our own power. It is very fitting that Jesus, excuse me, Josue, although different language, same name, Josue would tell us that we are an empowered people. An empowered people to go and be martyrs, witnesses for the sake of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you as he lives in Josue, as he lives in me, as he lived in the Apostle Paul, as he lived in Jesus. No difference. He lives in you just the same. And so what is he calling us to do? Let me pray for us. And the first thing we're going to do is sing a song. The second thing we're going to do is eat good barbecue. So band, come on up and let's uh, pray for God's help as we move into this new year as a church. Our Father in heaven, we know you've called us to make disciples. And so we say now, whatever means necessary, we'll do it. I pray that's the cry of our hearts. I know it's the cry of the, the leaders of this church. I mean, whatever means necessary, we'll tear down neighborhood groups. We'll tear down Sunday mornings. We'll tear down growth groups. Whatever you want us to tear down so that you can build up the better city that we would have our eyes focused on. Lord, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll do whatever it takes. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that put before us Colossians 1, that we would proclaim you with all of your energy, because we know it's working in us, that we'd have our sights set on a city, and that in the meantime, we would be a people that would exist, not a property or a place, but a people that would be motivated to live like we've said all along, for Jesus and for good, for the bend. Lord, help us. We can't do this without you. It's a, it's a vision far too great. It's going to take way more energy. It's going to take way more consistency than what we have. And so we need you to help us. Lord, whatever the next step of obedience is for us to get out on that water, call us out. Some of us need to get baptized. Some of us need to baptize others. Some of us need to join a neighborhood group or a growth group. Some of us need to quit thinking of the church as something to consume and instead something else to contribute to. Whatever it is, Lord, let us help, let, help us see our joy is on the water. Our joy is beyond the comfort and the security and the safety of whatever we're clinging on to. Status, whatever it may be. Lord, help us be obedient even into the things that we probably think we should have already done. Especially into those things because there's shame attached. So Lord, remind us of the truth that you have shamed our shame when you died on the cross that we may live now with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who had his eyes fixed on pleasing his Father all the way to death. So keep our eyes fixed on resurrection, keep our eyes fixed on you, and help us do these things that we hope and pray you will call us, convict us, commission us, and empower us to do in these new year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.